Well, hey, welcome to Civ Pop Writer's Room, a special bonus episode. Uh, I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, and I'm joined by Civ Pop Writer Robert. Hello. Robert's Managing on. Managing editor Robert. That's right. Managing editor. I meant to say that. Managing editor <laughs> Robert. Because you're the you're now the Civ Pop Managing Editor. And don't worry. I won't fire you for the slip up. No. <laughs> I don't even have the authority. <laughs> no I, don't get, I don't get paid. So you, can, <laughs> you can just take my BECs and bump them lower. You know? Yeah. I'll write about the Shawshank Redemption. You'd be like, eh, four. Honorable mention. <laughs> Honorable mention. Yeah, so Robert's the managing editor for Civ Pop now, and that's uh, that's a really cool thing. Thanks for thanks for bringing that back up. We'll talk about it next week again. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about arsenic and old ace and uh, singing in the rain. But yeah, we're here to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, uh, Warner Brothers was kind enough to send us screeners to this movie. I mm-hmm. was really excited to see this movie, as evidenced by this week's uh, Sip Pop Writers Room. Uh, this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Um, has been for a long time and the trailer just absolutely blew me away i've talked a lot about kind of my baggage coming into this movie and uh robert hbo is doing this new thing where they're releasing movies in theaters and on hbo for the first 31 days of its theatrical run and let's look at the track record for a second we got wonder woman 1984 and the little thing so far so uh robert with the potential of judas and the black messiah falling into this category uh what did you think about the movie? Did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I'll say low side of love it. Let me start high side of like it, bordering low side of love it. Okay. I think I'm exactly where you are. I think I'm going to go ahead and say love it, though. I think when the movie ended, I was like, I liked that. I don't quite love it, but I think the more I've processed it, I think the more I'm definitely willing to say loved it. But yeah, low side of loved it for me. And so we're going to give our brief spoiler-free thoughts, and then we can dive into whatever we want. So, So clearly this is not another wonder woman and the little things no. clearly clearly warner's got some good stuff coming out this year then yeah because i was i kind of had a similar thing to what you were just saying but i kind of flipped it so throughout the movie i was like this is good i don't hate it like this is good so far but the last half an hour 45 minutes and it kind of really ramped up um and i didn't know the true story behind what was going on okay so um it kind of added to added to everything that was going on for me it, it all ramped up and that's when i was like oh, I actually think I might love this. So obviously I've only watched it once and that's why I'm still teetering between the two. It's definitely a very good to great movie um, and deserving of any accolades that might come its way. Sure. Yeah, I also only got a chance to see this once, but I am probably going to be checking this out within definitely within that 31 day period again, mm-hmm. just because I, I think this is really important. I, I'm unlike you. I did know the story uh, of Fred Hampton only because... After the trial of Chicago 7, since Fred Hampton's a character in that, I googled to figure out kind of what, oh. who exactly he was. Because he's, in in the movie, the the character that's giving Bobby Seale legal advice from behind the bench um, from in, in the audience. That's Fred Hampton. Okay. Oh, so, because I have in my notes to say that this is a nice companion piece to Trial of Chicago 7. Um, yeah. And they've come out pretty close to each other, too. Yeah, so... I totally agree. I think this is a great companion piece. Um, although I really thought that this would have worked well, like maybe if it was like back to back, but I think this movie distances itself enough. Um, I yeah, think cause it, it goes past the time of that the other movie. Uh, yes. Um, and also I feel like most of this movie takes place between the actual Chicago riots and the trial, like that year gap. I think most of this movie takes place between because the introduction kind of shows the Chicago riots, but maybe it's just to kind of give you an idea about, about where we are. But I think uh, I, I think this movie is really great, and uh, again, it has every accolade coming for it that it uh, that it deserves. 
I, I think this is a powerful story that really deserves to be told. And I, uh, I appreciate the way that it's told. I really respected the, the writing, the directing, the acting, uh, pretty much everything about this movie. But there's one reason that I really don't quite jump into the high side. I loved it. And I don't really think I could talk about it uh, okay. without spoiling things. So um, I'm just going to say I really loved it or I really liked it. Um, I'm on the low side. I loved it. I don't really know how much else I want to say. Yeah, that's fair. Because I guess I'm a good example of you don't want to spoil something like this. Like if it was a Revolutionary War movie or something like that, then you say, go ahead, spoil it. It's a true story. Yeah. Like the the colonists win. What? <laughs> so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. But last time I was on Writer's Room doing a full episode, I we were talking about the little things on the coming attractions. And I was mm-hmm. saying how I'm kind of tired of, you know, the crime dramas unless they do something new or different um but i'm definitely not tired of the kind of movie that this is which is uh like an undercover infiltrating some sort of organization to bring them down legally so a couple good examples that i like one true story one not is black Klansman is Mm. recently and that that's a great example as well as the departed um those are a couple of my favorite examples and i i was liking how uh, judas and the black messiah is kind of the opposite you know so let's take black clans black clansman for an example ron stallworth is the main character of that he's a good guy infiltrating an obviously bad organization in the kkk this is kind of opposite like lakeith stanfield's character he's a questionably moral guy infiltrating an organization that's trying to do good. Like in Black Klansman, you root for Ron. And in this, I don't really know if I was rooting for Lakeith. Um, some yep. of the time I I wanted him to do certain things. And I guess we can get into this in a few minutes. But I, I just like the way that it kind of played with that. And I don't know if it was in, even intentionally doing that. But it, it made me think of those other kinds of movies. Yeah, this is a very morally gray movie. Except, mm-hmm. I mean, certain characters are very black or white. Uh, but a lot of this movie kind of really glides in the gray zone, and I think that works really well for espionage. Um, something like The Departed, yeah, is is really good because where is those lines? And I think most of that movie sticks in the gray area, um, and that's mm-hmm. that's an area that I just really love to be in to 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 figure out. Yeah, yeah well, let's. I think uh, I think let's uh, let's take some time to stop. And we we've said we both love this movie on the low side of love it. I definitely am saying check this out. See it as soon as you can. Oh, and, for sure. And do your best to avoid uh, knowing what's coming. Uh, and especially like if you said if you already have HBO Max, like there's no reason you shouldn't check out this movie. And if you don't, like this is totally worth a theater experience. Even if this was going to be just a PVOD, I would totally recommend you pay twenty bucks to rent this movie. And you know that's that's pretty high praise for me. Yeah, I don't know if I would have liked to pay twenty dollars to watch it at home, but I definitely. If theaters are safe in your area, I would say go see it. I've gone back to the theater a couple times recently because I felt safe. And obviously, definitely, if you have HBO Max. Turn it on opening weekend. It's it's that good. Cool. Well, uh, we're going to be uh, talking about some spoilers now. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, go ahead and pop over to HBO Max and pop over to your theater and watch this movie and then uh, come back. You know, have this episode on pause. But uh, if you're listening to this after we've talked about uh, or after you've seen the movie, then then feel free. You know, we're just going to spoil some things. Um, or if you're one of those that people that don't really care about spoilers, you know, you're welcome here, too. But uh 
for if for most people not being in that category. We're here to talk about some spoilers about specific things going on in this movie. Robert, the thing that I think makes this movie elevated in my mind after the fact is I think this movie does an incredible job, and I give all props to Shaka King, the director of this mm-hmm. movie. I give all props to the director because this movie sacrifices entertainment for reality and realism. And I think the movie is much better for it. I didn't ever see a moment in here that felt like a bait Oscar reel. Um, And I think it would be very easy to do that in this movie. Instead, they just chose to tell the story um, and to to show Fred's Fred Hampton's life and and the eyes of uh, Will, Willie O'Neill and, and just to portray it as it was and that's not to say that there's any bad acting in this movie I think the the acting is really good in this movie because of course Daniel Kaluuya and Jesse Plemons and Lakeith Stanfield right but but I think that uh, that there are moments that it could have been very easy for this movie to lean into the entertainment which I think would have made me like it. Like more like Trial of Chicago Seven definitely has those theatrical moments, yeah. And this movie just does it. And but I I'm a sucker for those theatrical moments. Uh, but I I do um, I do think that this movie is better for being grounded. Uh, that's that's my elevation to in the loved it category. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and I I wonder now that you say that I didn't think of that specific idea or like I didn't verbalize it that way i wonder if that's kind of why i was just in the not quite in the loved it most of the way through because i was understanding what they were trying to say i was following the story and everything but yeah i I wasn't like gripped like i i wasn't i don't know i guess trial of chicago seven is a good a good example like i was into that movie the whole time i was like this is entertaining this has my attention um but like you said this is different I think it makes the the FBI raid or the police raid that much more powerful because this is so real now. Look, if there would have been moments like from the trial of Chicago Seven where the judge keeps on dismissing Bobby Seal and saying his attorney can speak for him, you know he has attorney and Marco Allen's just no, he doesn't. Like if there would have been a moment like that, that would have made me really feel caught up in the moment, uh, which that movie does a great job at getting me caught up in the moment, but. Uh, but I, I I agree with you because of the consistent dedication to realism. I think it makes the end of that movie so much of this movie, Judas and the Black Messiah, so much more powerful because you realize this is actually Fred Hampton. This is actually how he dies. Right. By the way, I've read up on the account, at least you know, from what Wikipedia says, and it's horribly accurate. Oh, like, okay. And I don't mean horribly accurate, like <laughs> like not accurate at all. It's a horrible no, job. Right. No, it is. It is so nearly precise uh, almost word for word dialogue from what's reported in the records you know it for for those reasons um it really makes that fred hampton feel more like a real person and his death having real consequences um since we're talking about fred hampton can i just give some extreme love to daniel kaluuya right now um yeah everything that he's in i still i wanted to watch queen and slim last night because i still haven't seen that but I've seen everything else he's done since Get Out. He consistently impresses me and everyone that talks about him. Like, this isn't me. Like, this isn't a novel idea. Um, sure. he's, he's just consistently impressive. I was thinking about how he looks in this movie just compared to Get Out. When was Get Out? 2017? 2016? Uh, 16, I think. Yeah, just three or four years ago. Or four or five years ago. Now it's 2021. 20, like, he wasn't super skinny, but he was a thin guy in that movie. Compared to this, he's so super bulked up, and that just kind of adds to his presence and just just the look of him. And he had he demands 
he demands the attention. He has that that charisma, that presence, um, that drawing power. Um, I understand through his performance why people are so drawn to Fred Hampton. Just the trailer you you talked about earlier, how how much you were into that trailer. Just the "I am a revolutionary." That speech that he gives that kind of gets stuck in my head, um, like a song would, just because of the way that that it's that it's said. And I I love that scene, and I and I love the way that it's brought to life from the trailer because that was my only experience of it or my only knowledge of it. Yeah, I just wanted to give some love to Daniel Kaluuya because he's great in this movie, and I. Man, I loved Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal and a couple other performances, but I wouldn't be upset at all if he won the Oscar this year. Yeah, um, I don't know. So uh, I think it's probably a combination of a couple things, and it's, it is partly because I mentioned how this movie really strays from theatrics. Kaluuya feels like a really lived-in character. He feels like somebody that I would encounter on the street. Uh, and I, I don't doubt that there are you know some of these characters, like I've talked about some of the theatrical moments in Trial of Chicago 7, that... Uh, um, that are played up to strike you in the feels. Like I'm not saying that that doesn't take away from those characters. I'm just I, I'm trying to emphasize that there is so much subtle stuff that mm-hmm. Kaluuya and Stanfield are both doing in this movie because they're trying to feel like real people. And it, it, there's a lot of things uh, that they specifically do. But again, I I can only think of I think one scene in this movie that I think would be at an Oscar reel, uh, and it's the scene uh, where Kaluuya offers. Lakeith Stanfield offers Fred Hampton the to get him a refill, knowing he's gonna mm-hmm. put the drug in it, and you could just see him, his 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 shaking of his voice, his uh, compassion and remorse in in his voice. Uh, you could just really that's the most that's the most powerful acting I've seen in this movie. But it's probably that um, the the lack of theatrics, and it's probably just I mean Kaluuya and. Stanfield are undoubtedly at least in the top five young upcoming actors, specifically in the black community. I don't think, or I think there's four really, really big competition with, you know, Michael B. Jordan and um, Yaha Abdul-Mantin II. Um, I think those two plus these two are outstanding in everything they've been in. But I think there, there's so much expected from them that maybe yeah. I, maybe I, what I wanted wasn't what this movie gave me. But again, I think the movie's better for not giving me what I want. So I think, I think I'm following your logic. Yeah. Um, Like it it makes it maybe less powerful of an experience in the short term, but in the long term, I think it makes it much more powerful. Like you were talking about how trial of Chicago seven, it's one that you loved in the moment, but you put it down in your list. I think at one point it was number four and I think it landed at five for you last year. I had Uh, it at number one for a while, but then yeah, it did. Well, and I almost put Palm Springs at number one, but then I rewatched Trial of Chicago Seven. I'm like, nope, nope. Mm. So, uh, but it's one of those when it's when you're in the moment, you really love Trial of Chicago Seven. But thinking about it right. later, it's like, is it really my favorite movie of 2020? And yeah, that um, one I got chills at the end. It was very rousing, and you know that reading off all the names. But here, I, I think I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, okay? Um, because I still did feel the power because I mentioned earlier. Um, the the raid scene again for someone who didn't know the story and I'm I wish I paid more attention in history class or there was a better history curriculum in high school I support the second one a better history yeah, curriculum because yeah. I don't think I ever heard of and I, I grew up 30 minutes outside of Chicago and I had only right. heard of the Chicago 7 not what actually happened until the movie came out right like you hear about Martin Luther King and that's about the only black activist you hear about since I didn't know the the movie, like I knew something was going on when they were like looking at the shadows um, in the doorway 
but to see the guy just get shot through the through the door and then I don't even know how to say it like that these guys are screwed basically um yeah, yeah. like that that scene was super powerful for me because like I said at the end probably starting around the scene that you just mentioned where he asks to get him a refill um or a little bit before that that's when it gets super powerful and ramps up to 11 and that's when I was like okay maybe I really do love this movie whether or not I love it it definitely achieves its goal the way that it's trying to and I maybe you want to talk about it later you have a couple other things you want to talk about but I kind of want to discuss what Lakeith Stanfield's character does like the morality of it but maybe let's, we can let's, get let's that talk about minute. that now let's talk about okay, that now. Sure. the only other things I have really are just uh just technical achievements I think um but let's but let's talk about that because that's really the crux of what's going on uh, right where do you want to start there's the line from Jesse Plemons who he seems like a good-ish guy when you first meet him. And then here's my one big negative, actually, um, in leading up to Lakeith's decision, or Bill, Bill O'Neill's decision. I almost said yeah. O'Reilly. Bill O'Neill's decision. It showed, it was showing like the, the interviews with him later on when yeah. it said, when did you know that Jesse Plemons was nefarious or whatever, however it worded it? it kind of took me out of it for a minute because that was telling you what to think. Um, and I, I didn't love that, but that's, that's my only slight negative. Um, in, kind of- in response to that, I actually have one note that says that it would have been super easy to make Jesse Plemons the ultimate bad guy. And just to be completely wicked because he's really great at that, uh, yeah. you know, in, in breaking bad and in, um, black mirror. Oh, is that, he was in like the star Trek episode, right? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't make it to that one. I didn't but like he, he's clearly, he's clearly bad, uh, a bad okay. guy in that movie. He's, he's good at playing wicked at times where, yeah, he's really good at playing wicked. That's, that's definitely what I'm thinking of. And I'm also, you know, th- seeing clips from game night, which he's not a bad guy in game night. He just like looks kind of wicked. He looks kind of like he might be up to something. He looks like he could easily play. Is, is Jesse Plemons this generation's Michael Shannon? Like, <laughs> I, I never get that impression from Jesse Plemons, actually. Okay. I mean, I, I do, but maybe it's because of limited roles I've seen him in. But sure. it would have been so easy to make him a wicked bad guy. Uh, but he's actually not. And he's he lives in the morally gray because he's a mm-hmm. pretty likable guy. And he even, for the most part, fights for William O'Neill until the end. Um, and I think he fights for him but realizes it's a losing battle. Um, and if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. But he's also using Bill, right? I mean, yes, but... Bill doesn't want to do it. Like, he doesn't want to do this anymore at a certain point. I mean, yes, Like, he was telling him what his his sentence would have been, and he's like, you're not done. Like, I'm not done with you. It's kind of like Kevin Spacey and Baby Driver. Like, you, you still owe me. Sure. I mean... This goes into the morality of is it okay for informants and the the FBI to infil, to have people infiltrate and that's a whole wholly different conversation. But sure. I, very, I think very clearly he's kind of in the gray area, uh, and then his higher ups, specifically um, J Edgar Hoover, Hoover. De- are definitely bad guys. Yeah, you know, and and I think Lakeith Stanfield borders on m- most time being being a bad guy. Um, yeah, well, where I was going was Jesse Plemons has that line where he says, this is the first note I wrote down, was, I'm all for civil rights, but you can't cheat your way to equality. It's mm. just like white people being white people and not having any sort of empathy 
or not even trying to understand that some people might start 25 steps behind everyone else in the race of life. There's my metaphor. Um, (laughs) It starts there. He's not coming at this from the right place, I don't think. Um, Um, It's because he he's like the I don't know what to compare him to, but he's like like you were saying, he's the the ambiguous henchman of the bigger bad of Hoover. I mean, he's kind of like the Alec Baldwin character in The Departed. Okay, sure. Because like Leo tries to get out and Baldwin convinces him to stay in. Yeah, sure. There's a good comparison because what I'm I guess what I'm trying to get at is that Fred Hampton, they gave him all this money to go into hiding. And he says, no, use this to set up a hospital to help the people in need. He's trying to resist fascism. He's anti-cop and anti-FBI or the movie is. All, all the Black Panthers are trying to do, all Fred Hampton's trying to do is bring equality, is, is social justice. And then like he realizes that there's consequences to his big speeches. But sure. it's, it's kind of positioning Fred as being in the right the whole time. And whether or not what the Black Panthers eventually became or what the whole party, yeah. stands, or party stands for is a whole other thing, but it's it's talking about Judas and the Black Messiah, and the Black Messiah is Fred Hampton himself. Yes. And I didn't even think about the title until the end, and then I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense for the story of Judas and the actual Messiah, you know? Well, and the, um, the other thing is the plot description on IMDb, like, deliberately says it's about his betrayal, his see, infiltration. Maybe it even insinuates that, he, that he's the cause of his death. I'm glad that I didn't look at that beforehand, because yeah, yeah I, I I just saw the trailer and then was like, all right, I'm in. You know, I think that, um, I think this would have been a really interesting experience for me had this come out before Trial of Chicago Seven. Although I don't know that I would have been as interested because, but part of like, I mean, I I would have still seen the trailer, but like, holy crap, I got to see that. But there was definitely an extra level because I'm like, oh, this is a character that I'm recently familiar. With. Or, sorry, this is a real person that was portrayed right. that I'm recently familiar with. Yeah. So my question then, do you think Bill is kind of vindicated by the end? I don't. Not at all. And I, and I think the movie goes to great pains to say that by the ending. And I think that William O'Neill's life shows that because they're showing the documentary at the end. He seems remorseful for his actions, but he doesn't really take responsibility because he only gives the one interview. And gosh, I, I almost want that character to become a whistleblower be part of the downfall of the Hoover administration, or right. the Hoover run FBI. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the, the story of William O'Neill is he gives the interview the one time. <laughs> and then the night that it premieres, he gets drunk. He tries to jump out of a second floor story window. His family stops him. And then he walks into oncoming traffic on the interstate. Like, Oh, he, I didn't know the specifics of it. I just saw the ending text. Wow. I mean, the ending text just says he committed suicide, but right. according to, sources that I looked up to figure out what happens after this in William O'Neill's life. It's there's not much about it. Cause he just kind of goes, he, he goes and lives in uh, somewhere in California under uh, in witness protection. So, okay. Uh, but that's what happens. Like uh, he, he, I think he's incredibly remorseful and I think he regrets what he did, but he doesn't necessarily take responsibility. And I, I don't think, I don't think his character wants redemption. Uh, and so that's another thing about redemption is typically the way we see them portrayed. It's not, characters don't just get redemptions. Char- characters strive for redemption. So no, I don't think he's vindicated. I don't think he's redeemed. I, d- I don't think he's somebody that we want to root for. 
I don't think he's somebody that we want to see go on in in farther. If you know, if this was just not a biopic, if this was just a regular movie, I don't I don't want to see the sequel starring yeah. uh, starring that character. Yeah, I I agree with you because I think the last straw was the what I mentioned of where Fred Hampton gives the money back and he's like, no, use this for a hospital to serve the people who need help. You know, like he wants to help people. That's literally all that he wants. And that's why it just kind of enrages me to see. Here, let me let me pull up my letterbox review real quick because I, I think I said it quite well. I, I said movies like this always make me angry, but that's that means they're doing their job perfectly. Uh, we'll be in a good place when they stop being made. Unfortunately, I'm not sure how realistic it is for them to stop being made because I, I don't know when this started filming, but it was just June when the Black Lives Matter uh, movement ramped back up. And this had to have started production before then. Oh, yeah. You know, like this wasn't in response to that. And I'm sure we'll get more movies in response to that. And that's the problem, you know, that we still have to make this kind of movie, say, you know, hold a mirror up to people, say, look what's going on. Look at what how people are enabling violence against minority groups who all they want is social equality. You know, sure. like Fred Hampton wasn't violently storming you know, any anywhere he was, he wasn't being violent. He was. I don't. I don't think he ever carries a weapon, or really even touches a weapon in the movie. No, he he has the the one re- reference to the weapon from him at least is when he tells them not to bring it into that. Yeah. Nightclub. Well, and of course, Black pa- Black Panther Party being notorious for open carrying AK forty sevens, like right. You know, so again, so again, that's also like separation of the person from the organization. Right. Yeah, I was about to say that. Um, yeah, which may which I don't really necessarily condone the black panther party but exactly and i don't think the movie is trying to condone the party either it's trying to hold up this guy and be like look what happens to people like him people like martin luther king who are trying to bring about social change the right way and the powers that be they're not about it sure yeah well and i think even it's interesting kind of we see uh uh the will o'neill's kind of journey through that because he's completely unfamiliar. He wants to be apolitical in the beginning. Now, maybe that's fabricated. Don't, I don't know because I, I would imagine it would be hard to be apolitical as a African-American in the sixties right. in Chicago, let alone. As so, all that's going on. Right. Yeah. So, I, but I don't know, like he, he comes in, he's like, these guys are not at all what you said them to do what you said mm-hmm. they were. They're, they're caring for their community. I mean, you see them serving breakfast to kids several times throughout the movie. So I think we've kind of run circles around, so. Yeah, I, I agree. We have run circles. But actually, the one more thing that I wanted to add is that they create the Rainbow Coalition. Like there's Hispanics and there's white people. Yeah. You know, it's not just uh, the black community. It's people trying to bring about social change. And once I saw the I don't remember what the group of the white people was called. But that's when I realized, oh, this is the same time as Trial of Chicago 7. And uh, that's when I made that connection. But yeah, yeah. I, I was I was glad to see the rainbow coalition and again i'm not trying to come across like i'm against stories of black people fighting for social equality but i'm showing that it's more than just that it's social equality on a larger scale larger than just one uh group of people yeah yeah i i totally agree i I think you definitely said it best in your letterbox review that uh movies like this make me angry and will be a good place when we don't need them but I don't know that we'll ever not need them. So, and one of the things that I appreciate about this is I've, I've said on the show, at least before my, my issue with Spike Lee and it, it's, it's since changed. I think black Klansmen and the five bloods are exceptions is that I feel guilty just for being white while watching his movies. 
Mm-hmm. Not you know, I, I just I, I think it's a very polarizing. Um, if you are not black, you are not part of the solution, uh, and, and that's one of the things I, I've never liked about certain elements of his movies. Uh, I think this movie is the complete opposite. Uh, well, maybe not the complete opposite. It doesn't portray white people in a particularly good fashion. There's not many of them in the movie. They're almost well, all it's cops. more the system, right? But, yeah, right, it's cops. Yeah. So, but but I I appreciated how this movie didn't make me feel guilty. This movie didn't make me feel like I killed Fred Hampton. This movie just portrayed his life and shows why things like the the Black Lives Matter movement are important. You know, two yeah. white guys sitting around talking about Black Lives Matter importance. But, um, no, but I'm glad that we're two white guys that are yeah unashamedly saying Black Lives Matter. You know. Well, and you, I want to point out you. You made the point uh, that maybe I should ask um, uh, one of our African American writers uh, to do the review, and it just became a time thing. We didn't get the screeners yeah. until recently. I didn't even know I was getting one until relatively recently. It just became a time constraint. But I do, I, I do, I am doing uh, a U- U.S. versus Billy Holiday, and we'll have Chantal talking with me about that uh, to maybe nice. talk more about some of, some of this stuff. But um, I, I have, I think, just three other notes, and that's. Yeah. Uh, to, to move on i think we were talking about the ending uh, i think one of the performances that gosh the, the maybe the most oscar Beatty like moment of this movie was uh as fred hampton's dying and i think it did a good did a great job showing restraint and not actually showing it happen in the foreground but yeah. it's kind of in the background it's blurry but dominique fishback has a really powerful moment right there you know she's nine months pregnant mm-hmm. standing outside watching the police murdering her partner and knowing she can't do anything about it and knowing that if she tried to do anything it would just lead to harm for her and her baby that was a really 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 great moment so i thought she was great i, I really like the score of this movie it was kind of like a progressive jazz almost like uh it really felt straight out of like marvin gay like trouble man era something about the score just really did it for me um helped me help put me in the time and place i'll be honest i was focusing so much on the story and making sure I knew what was going on and who everyone was that I didn't really notice the score. I, I hope it's something you'll notice. I, I think it's great. I don't know. Th- this apparently has a CCA nomination for best original song. I, I think it's maybe plays in the middle of the movie. Um, I like mm. this. The, the, there's a song they play at the end credits that I think is also great, but uh, I, I'm not sure which one it is. I don't know if it was noticeable enough for me, but if speak yeah. now from one night in Miami doesn't win, then nothing deserves the win. <laughs> maybe yeah yeah ding dong but <laughs> yeah that's not okay that's not even the one that's nominated i know because who's the, the other the one song? is on the short list uh, yeah <laughs> that's fine because who's a mix the better song completely irrelevant to to this kind of movie um and, and the last note is i think that the the way the camera moves is uh is really uh, effective at again helping me be in the time and place uh the the way that the camera pans the shot angles that they take um some of the movements in the in the the directions on where the take starts and ends really resembled specifically of goodfellas i think there's yeah. a lot of similar shots there i really felt like i was in sort of a like 60s to 90s crime drama like um, the beginning was latif that's a yes that's, yeah. yeah yeah i agree I, I was thinking about i loved the the directing from director shaka king and i'm Excited to see what he does next. He's only got a few credits, and most of them are short films. This is his first yeah. big movie. I hope I hope he does more because, obviously, based on this conversation, we thought this movie was pretty great. Yep. Gosh, it, it, it's interesting thinking. I don't I don't know that I would put this for best picture. I mean, for sure, a nomination. I I don't think I would pick it. I don't think I would pick 
necessarily either of the actors, uh, the two primary actors that have got to get a nomination. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily pick either of them as my favorite performance of the year. I, I don't know. I don't know how many categories I would select for this to win, but I think it's worth being nominated in. Yeah. You know, a dozen categories. Right. It's one of those. I don't know how many it's going to win, but at the same time, like if Daniel Kaluuya comes out and wins best actor and this wins best picture, I'm not predicting that or anything, but like if, if that happened, I wouldn't be upset. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree, totally agree with that sentiment as well, but also at the same time, I haven't if, even been paying attention. If American hustle can get nominated for 10 Oscars, then yeah. this can get nominated for 15. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen American hustle in a long time, but no, you're right. Cool. Hey, do you have any other thoughts? Anything other things you want to say? No, other than if you're still listening to this and haven't watched it for whatever reason, go watch it. I think it's more than worth a watch. Yeah, um, uh, and it's going to make you think, and it's important. Great performances and great directing, and I'm excited for Shaka King. Yep. I completely agree with all those sentiments. You should watch it. Shaka King's got a great career ahead of them. And uh, yeah, you should 100% watch this movie and watch it twice and show somebody you care about. So. Yeah, yes. Well, uh, that'll, that'll do it for this uh, relatively mini review. <laughs> that'll do it for this shortened episode, this review of Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, that is streaming now on HBO Max for 31 days, as well as in theaters. Uh, and I don't know, I'm sure it'll come back to HBO when it hits home release. But uh, yeah. that'll do it. Uh, and in the meantime, you know, we got to get back to the writer's room.